Uh, it is a real privilege to be here. I uh, met RJ in uh, Southern California as he came to my school. Um, I know what you already know, that uh, he is an exceptional young man. He is uh, a man who loves God, who loves his church, um, who not only is gifted, but God has gifted him with a keen mind so that he thinks carefully and deeply how to do ministry most effectively. That's rare. I don't find many men like R.J. So look after him. <laughs> Please. Um, no, I'm so pleased. And thank you for your invitation to be here. It gave me also an excuse to come back to Southern California and Ontario. We grew up here. Uh, we met in high school, my wife and I, and uh, pastored across Canada for over 20 years before heading down to do some teaching south of the border. It, um, uh, we have family in the area. In fact, Nola, one of Nola's brothers lives in Guelph with Missionary Aviation Fellowship, long-term missionary with them, and uh, has ministered for many years in northern uh, Australia and in Papua New Guinea. So um, it's exciting to hear that this ministry is continuing through this church as well. Um, you know, I've taught for many years, but um, I never really got into teaching to teach. I don't really like education. What I love is pastoral ministry. I've done that most of my life, and that's where my heart is. And, but I've discovered that it's not easy. Um, there's all kinds of challenges to leading God's people effectively. And one of the most difficult I found was actually speaking God's word to people. How do you take God's inspired, inerrant word and bring it with relevance and conviction to people today? I think I spend most of my life trying to answer that question. And if we had the opportunity to have you into our home, I would love to show you into the my office where there are shelves of books where someone has written something about the subject of preaching. I'm sure all of them have um, some uh, relevance and effectiveness, but uh, of all the books I've ever read on the subject, this one has been the most helpful for me. Of all the preachers that I have studied to see how they have communicated God's word effectively, the preacher that has helped me the most is the person of Jesus Christ. It's, it's amazing how he could take God's word, break it down and communicate it with simplicity and power, isn't it? And have you ever noticed, as you look through the Gospels and hear how he communicated God's words, how often he spoke in story form? I think he knew. I think he knew that uh, narratives have a way of uh, slipping past our normal defenses and sticking to our minds in ways that we cannot forget. No, one of Jesus' favorite ways to communicate is in story form. So this morning, if you'll allow me, I'd like to take a page out of Jesus' preaching textbook and communicate to you in story form. I'd like to do it a little bit different. Um, Rather than um, just reading this story to you, I'd like to preach um, 
what R.J. referred to as a first-person sermon, where we not only hear God's word, but, but I take on the character who actually lived it so that we can hear God's word come to life. So if you've got your Bibles, you're welcome to turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 13 through 16. Or you're also welcome just to sit back and listen as someone who didn't just read God's word, but experienced God's word, comes to speak to us this morning. My name is Samson, and you've heard of me, haven't you? Of course you have. It's been thousands of years since I lived on this world, but you still know my name, don't you? Of course you do. I was famous. Everyone knew the name of Samson, and I'm sure you can't forget it, for I was the strongest man that ever lived. My reputation spread across Israel. It spread across the nations, and I bet you it's even spread across history to today. There, if I was in your Olympics today, you'd have to have a special category for me. Because nobody, nobody has ever been as strong as me. You don't think so. You think I'm exaggerating. Yeah. Well, let, let me just tell you what actually happened to me, and you make up your own mind how strong I was. I remember on one occasion, for example, I was on my way from home up to Timna. I know, I know, I shouldn't have gone to Timna. That's Philistine territory. There's this woman there. I tell you, I had this thing for Philistine women. They, they kind of got me, and there was this woman. I know, but I really want, wanted to spend some time with her. I wanted to get married. So I was heading up to Timna, in order to make arrangements for the wedding. Wow. And, uh, well, if you've ever taken that path, you would know that uh, it's kind of desolate. It's got hills and it's got rocks and stuff. But it's kind of dangerous because because it is desolate, there can be robbers that are hanging out for you and animals that are waiting for you. And I'm um, walking up on that path, keeping my eyes out, when suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I caught this golden blur heading towards me. It was a lion. Not the lions you're used to. Not the ones that live in cages and get fed dead meat 10 o'clock and 4 o'clock every day. I'm talking about a real lion, a young lion. One that has learned to live by its wits and to live by devouring its prey. You know how they do it. They lay in wait, and when they roar, the sound terrifies you. They leap out of nowhere. Their weight is such that it knocks you down, and their jaws are so strong they can crush bones like that, and you're dead. It's almost instantaneous, and it's over. And here on this route, what I saw to the quarter of my eye was a lion heading straight for me. So tell me, what would you do if that happened? cry for your mummy, just think it was all over, 
No. At that moment, when the lion came, I instinctively uh, outmaneuvered out that, that lion. As he come leaping towards me, what I did was choose to bend down. And as he passed over top, I grabbed a hold of the underbelly of that lion and began to pull and pull. And you could hear snapping of sinews and cracking of bones. And I ripped that lion in half. And as I stood there, looking at the two halves of that previously fearsome lion twitching on the ground, I knew I was the strongest man that ever lived. That's me. That's Samson. Still not convinced? They're a tough crowd. There was another time when the Philistines had heard about my strength. They knew that Israel as a nation was a pushover. After all, we are just farmers. They were nations of warriors. They had weapons of war, and we had nothing. They would come in the fall when the harvest came and take whatever they wanted, plunder at will. But now they had a problem, because now they had to deal with me. So like the cowards they were, they came to one of the leaders of our towns where I was staying. They said to them, turn Samson over to us or we'll murder you all. They didn't know what to do. They came to me and said, Samson, you're our guy, but there's 10,000 of them and their soldiers around our town. If we don't hand you over to them, we will all be killed. Listen to them. Understood where they're coming from. And said, guys, no problem. I got this. I want you just to turn me over to them. Tie me up with two strong ropes. Leave me at the end of the field. They agreed. It was a massive big field. They put me at the back. I got a couple of ropes, began to tie me. I'm not talking binder twine. I'm not talking about the stuff that you may use to tie light obstacles with. I'm talking about a real rope. They tied me with, with, with a rope as thick as your wrist, made of hemp. The kind of rope that sailors would use to, to fasten their boats at anchor that could withstand all the forces that the, that the ocean could throw at them. We're talking about real ropes. And they grabbed those new ropes and they tied me. A little too tight, frankly, for my liking. I mean, they could have given me a bit of a break, but they didn't. And they stood back at the end of that field. And the elders of that town kind of disappeared into the foliage. And at the end came that Philistine army. They came out slowly. They came out tentatively. They had heard about me. But they came and stared down at me. When they saw that I was tied, they realized that this was the moment they were waiting for. And they started to run. Do you know what it sounds like? When an army of 10,000 men come running towards you, 
I know. As they ran faster and faster towards me, you could, the ground began to tremble. They began to shout and scream. They began to, 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 to praise their God, Dagon, for all of his power because now they were going to defeat Samson of the Israelites. And boy, were they eager. Each one wanted to be the one who would kill me. They knew that if they did, that their names would be repeated in, in Philistine lore, that their names would be sung in the, in the songs of their champions. They would become famous, and they wanted to do the deed. Each one wanted to be the one to take their knife, to plunge it into my side. They wanted to take their sword, cut off my head, and hold it up to others. And they were eager to know who would be the one who would get the glory for killing Samson. And me, I just stood there, waiting. They came a quarter of the way, half the way, three quarters of the way. And I looked at them and I took my stance. And I began to pull, push against those new ropes. And they broke like flax. The power of God, I felt in my arms, and the, and, the, and the ropes stood no chance. And when the men at the front of that uh, army running towards me saw the ropes fall to pieces, they weren't quite so sure. They wanted to keep coming. But I'm looking around. I mean, 10,001 you know, against one. I like those odds, but still, it would be helpful if I had some kind of, of weapon and I got nothing. You think the, the, the Israelites would have left a sword or something behind, but I guess they didn't have any. And frustration, I just kick at the carcass of this dead animal and, hey, look at that. I mean, this ass has not been dead that long. The, the teeth are still firmly affixed to its jawbone. I rip it off and... It's got pretty good weight. I mean, it, it feels pretty good. And I start waving it around, and the guys at the front of the line of the army coming towards me, they're not so sure. They're kind of feeling a little more generous. Guys, go ahead. You behind. You can, you can go first. But the problem was the guys behind didn't see that I had the jawbone of an ass now. And as they come running, they couldn't stop. The guys at the front couldn't stop. They were being pushed forward. This whole line was being pushed right in me, and I started to work. And they came, and I hit, and I hit, and I swirled, and I hit, and I hit. I was, like, I was like a farmer at harvest with a scythe. One after another, after another, after another. And before they finally realized what was happening, a thousand men lay dead. Yeah, that's what happens when you mess with Samson. And the rest fled for safety. Yeah. Those are my odds. That's how strong I am. You doubt that I'm the... You still do. Okay, just because you beg. One more story. It happened in Gaza. You know, Gaza. I know another Philistine town. You'd think I'd learned my lesson. But, but it was on the seacoast. It was interesting to me. You know, the Israelites were always off in the inland, but the seacoast, that was a, it was a port city. Which meant when you went to Gaza, you know, the ships would come in and you'd get, you know, all the market was full of spices and 
jewelry and trinkets and exotic foods and exotic women. Just saying. I took a look at those goods. Took a look at one of those women. And I paid my money to spend time with her. When I was finished, I uh, got up to leave. And I figured I'd be pretty safe because, you know, I was smart. I mean, I knew they were aware of Samson, but I had a disguise. It was getting dark at the end of the day as I began to, to make my way out of the city. And it soon became evidence that disguise didn't really work too well. The people in the city, they, would, they had closed the, the windows. They had brought wooden shutters across the windows of their places. And you could, I could see them, you know, peeking out. Samson, 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 Samson. I'm like, oh. No secrets here. As I walked through the, the laneway, I uh, realized the whole city knew I was there. And I know what they had done. They decided to be patient. Rather than trying to take me on like that other army had done, they called for reinforcements. They were waiting for the nations of other cities, the armies of other cities to come and to, to help them as they would take me captive or kill me and and that's what was coming. No more secrets. So I threw off the disguise and just walked. Yeah, you're right. It's Samson here. So what are you going to do about it? I walked towards the, um, the main entrance to the city. That's where the action took place. You see, like any city at that time, they were surrounded by walls. Those walls were made of stone and mortar. They were uh, the ones that kept out the enemies, and in this case, were supposed to keep me in. The walls were some six feet thick. They were uh, thick enough that you could ride a chariot around the top of them. They were higher than you could throw a stone over top of them. They were strong, and nobody could get in and out there. The only way you could get in and out, of course, were the gates, right? They had to have gates because the people inside had to be able to get out to farm and trade and so on and then come back in. So the gate was considered the strength of the city. And this gate was, uh, was very strong. Again, like the walls, it was like six feet thick. It stood over 20 feet tall. It was made of solid hardwood. It was anchored with two massive posts on either side, sunk deep into the ground so that it was immovable. It was reinforced with solid bronze bars. It was, it was a fortification, if there ever was one, designed to make sure that flaming arrows couldn't do it any damage. That. Uh, that even battering rams would have no chance against it. It was as strong as you could make a gate. And they shut it tight because they wanted to trap me, trap Samson. And I knew it. What would you do then? You're trapped into a city. All the people wanting to kill you. I wouldn't do what you would do. I wasn't going to sneak out. I wasn't going to try and pick the lock and see if I could get out somehow. 
I stood in that main entranceway so everyone could see. Yeah, you're right. You've got Samson. Or does Samson have you? And I walked over to that gate. And there was a, one of the solid bronze reinforcing bars right down here. Kind of made a handy little handle, don't you think? I decided for this one, I'd bend my knees. I grabbed a hold of that bar. And I began to pull, and I felt the heat of God's Spirit in my arms. And I began to pull and pull, and I heard creaking and groaning and breaking. And it wasn't my body. It was that, it was that gate breaking loose from the, from the bronze hinges that held it to those posts. I pulled that gate right off its foundations. A lesser man would have just dropped it and stood on it. Not me. I didn't want to just defeat them. I wanted to humiliate them. I picked that thing up on my shoulder and I carried it to the top of the nearest hill 28 miles away. I didn't just break their gate. I stole it. You can get a team of horses if you want and bring it back, but you are, you are not going to capture Samson. I'm the strongest man that ever lived. But I guess that's, that's really my biggest regret. You all know my name. You all know that I was a strong man. But no one ever called me a great man. I was supposed to be great. God wanted me to be great. My parents were older in life and hadn't had any children. But the angel of the Lord, God himself, came down to them and said that he wanted them to be the parents, to be my parents. He said, God said he wanted them to, to have a child who would begin to liberate the people of Israel from the Philistines. That was my mission. That was what God intended me to accomplish in life. Because of that, the angel of the Lord told them three times how they were to raise me. Because I was given a, a special mission by God, they were to raise me as a Nazarite. And the angel of the Lord told them again and again what that meant. And they told me again and again what that meant. Don't you hate it when parents do that? And go on and on and on telling you how you're supposed to live your life. Samson, you're supposed to be able to accomplish this great thing for God, so you need to be raised in Nazarite. I know, Mom. I know, Mom. I know, so yeah, but be careful when you go over to your friend's house because, you know, they have animals, and, and you can't touch a dead animal. You can't touch any unclean thing. If you do that, you know, you're, you'll break your Nazarite vow. And I know, Mom, I know. Don't touch any animals. I'm not really tempted a lot to touch dead animals, but I'll keep that in mind. Not to touch dead animals. And, but, but, you know, they throw parties and stuff happens over there. And you know that you can't allow any wine or any strong drink to touch your lips because you're to be holy and set apart for this special mission God has ordained for you. Got it, Mom. Got it, Mom. Got it, Mom. And it goes on and on. Your parents ever do that to you? 
mean, all this stuff about holiness and stuff, it's really... And my dad, he got on me. Samson, I'm telling you, it's very important. You never cut your hair. Not every father has said that to their child. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, it was, I know, Dad, it's that look. It's the, you know, people can see from birth that I have been set apart. They'll recognize me, that I am a, a holy person set apart for a holy task. I got it, I got it. Yeah, Nazarite, I got it, I got it. But, you know, life goes on. Remember that... Uh, that girl from Timna I was so interested in? Man, I still was interested in her. I decided I'm going to go back to Timna and we're going to get married. So I go back for the wedding. And I'm heading that same route I did before. But this time, this was summer and that sun was hot. I mean, I'm strong, but the sun is, I mean, it just saps your energy. I mean, it's just really hard, and I'm walking. I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm, how long I'm going to be able to keep going here in the sun. This is, I'm, I'm losing this battle here. And I came to the place, you know, recognized the rock where the lion had come, and maybe it was just out of curiosity, maybe vanity. I wonder if the carcass of that lion is still there. And it was. There it was. Two pieces. You know, it was neat, fast. I've never seen this before. There were bees who had decided to, to make their home there. There was a honeycomb inside there. I mean, that was wonderful. I mean, I'm dying of, uh, of exhaustion, and there's honey, and I grab that honey, and I'm eating it, and I'm eating it. And you know what happens when you eat honey like that? Sugar rush. I mean, I'm feeling good. I got a spring in my step. I'm ready to go. And then I realized I touched the carcass of a dead animal. I've broken the first of the Nazarite vows. I'm like, oh no. Uh, is lightning going to hit me? Is the, is the ground going to open up? Will I be swallowed by an earthquake? What's. And guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Parents and their talk about what you're supposed to do and not do. Nothing happened. I get going. I get up there, and we're going to throw a wedding. The weddings for Philistines, man, they lasted like a week. It wasn't just a day. It was like a week. And it was full of everything. And you know, when you're from outside, you're not an insider in a community, especially when you're in a new culture. you got to fit in, right? So I come, and I'm making sure that we've got the wedding that will make sure everyone knows that I'm one of the gang. We had Philistine meats. We had Philistine cheeses. We had uh, Philistine entertainment. I mean, this went on and on. And after a while, the guys are, the men of the town, they're like, dude, you're not fitting in. You're not really a man's man. What do you mean I'm not a man's man? Well, one thing Philistines are known for, they're known for their beer. I mean, these guys knew how to drink. Ah, you can't even hold your drink. You can't do that. Well, you know, you've you got to fit in, and you've got to adapt to the culture, and uh, you can't let them think you're an idiot, you know? So, so, sure, I took a drink. That stuff tasted awful. Have you ever tasted Philistine beer? I don't know what they put in that, but that... Oh, no. That was a second vow. What was going to happen? Would it be lightning from heaven? Would it be an earthquake? 
Guess what happened? Nothing. For a guy like me, for a guy with the kind of gift and abilities that I have, ah, holiness. Well, the wedding didn't work out. It's a long story. I'll tell you another time. But I was kind of at loose ends for a while. Here I am, you know, famous, but feared, but didn't have anyone really to share life with until I met her. Wow. She had jet black hair. She had olive skin. She had eyes that just swallowed you whole. And she could dress. She knew how to wear a dress. And she knew how to fill it. She was the most beautiful woman. Her name was... You've heard of her. I'm not surprised. She was a looker and a keeper. I wanted to spend time with her. She's so much engaging in conversation. She knew all the right person, people. We could be invited to the parties. I mean, it was just so fun to be with her. She's like the ideal woman. 100%. Well, 99, 99% perfect. I mean, I, fun to be with, and I couldn't imagine spending time with anyone else, but there's this one... One little, okay, she was a nag. Can I just be honest? She was just a nag. I mean, when she decided she wanted something, she would not let go. Like a dog with a bone. No way. I mean, you just, she was relentless. She was relentless. And we were together for a while, but one day we had that talk. You know the talk? Samson, you know I love you. I care about you deeply. But for our relationship to go to the next level, I need you to be completely honest with me. Huh? No, I... So, like, I'm kind of curious how you got to be so strong. Oh, wow, that's... That's nothing that... uh, You know, I work out. (laughs) Samson, that... That's not being honest. That's not the kind of transparency we need in a relationship. <laughs> Other people work out. They can't rip gates out of the ground and kill 10,000 people with a jawbone of an ass and rip a lion in half. That's not, that's not normal. Tell me you got to, oh, come on, give it a rest. No, it doesn't really matter. I mean, what are I, you still have me. What more can you want? What could any woman want? Nah, 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 nah. It goes on and on and on. So you know what you do when, you know, the woman won't let you rest and she really wants the truth. You don't want to tell her. You tell her something else. Well, if I was tied with thongs, then the thongs would take away my strength. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me. So that night we fall asleep. In the middle of the night, she... Wakes me up in the middle of the night. Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. And they were. They were halfway into the room, almost to the bed. I woke up. Thongs? What thongs? Boom. Uh, I start going after the, the, uh, the Philistine warriors. They turn around. They start to run. Most of them made it out. 
Two didn't. They found parts of them in the morning. Of course, she wasn't happy. Samson, Samson! Okay. Um, so if um, I was tied with two new ropes, that would, uh, you know. Samson, Samson, the Philistines are coming! Go the ropes. You know, this time the Philistines didn't come quite so far in the room. They stayed a little bit farther away. Samson, Samson, you need to tell me. Okay, so if my hair was braided, then that would take away my, uh, that would take away my strength. It's the middle of the night, again. Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. I woke up looking like a dork. <laughs> my hair was braided. It looked stupid, but I mean, I, my hair was braided. And, and this time, the, the, the Philistines were kind of standing at the window looking out. They weren't too keen on coming in because, you know, they'd heard about Samson. And Delilah went nuts. This is what I'm talking about, Samson. I don't think our relationship has a future. If you're not able to come clean with me, you won't be honest with me. You need to tell me what is the secret of your strength. How can I? Ay, 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 she was a nag. I'm strong, but this was unbelievable. I can stand against anybody, not this. On and on. What a nag. What a. She wasn't so beautiful. I mean, I don't know what to. So I looked at her. I said, Can I trust you? Of course, Samson, you can trust me. Of course you can. When I was born, the angel of the Lord told my parents three Nazarite vows I had to keep. There's one that I haven't broken. I've never cut my hair. As long as I don't cut my hair, I haven't broken the third vow. That night, I never slept so soundly. It was so nice to be honest for change. It was so nice to have someone I could trust with my life. And in the night, I heard her yell again, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are coming. I got up. This is old. You know what I'm saying? How many times does sleep have to be interrupted with Philistines in my bedroom? I got up, saw the Philistines kind of peeking. I realized that I'd been tied up, so I began to push again, and, push, and they weren't breaking. I didn't feel that warmth in my arms like I had in previous times. I, and the soldiers were kind of confused. The Philistines, they didn't know what to do. Some of them decided to come at me. I, I looked around. There's no escape except through that door. As they came, I ran towards them to try and knock them over to escape out the door. I knocked two or three down, but, but there were too many of them. They grabbed my legs. They began to pull me down. I began to, to wrestle, and I realized as I looked up to, to Delilah, help me, help me. I didn't feel my hair on the back of my neck. She betrayed me. I looked, Delilah, and there she was being paid by the soldiers. You did what? You, t you, t you turned against me. That's the last thing I ever saw. Soldiers came when they had me down. One of them pulled out his knife, jabbed me in one of my eyes, the pain, and then the other eye, the pain, the agony. Now we have him, they said. Even if his strength comes back, he's blind. 
He'll never be able to, to hurt us again. We've won. Praise Dagon, our God. We've won. And I realized I'd lost. I'd broken all three of the vows. I was no longer able to accomplish the mission God had for me. They took me down some steps. There was obviously, you could smell animal and you could smell grain. They unhooked an oxen and chained me to this wheel. And my job was to turn this wheel and make grind grain. What irony. God wanted me to liberate Israel. And now I was making flour to feed Philistine armies to oppress the people. I'd had the opportunity. I'd been set apart by God to accomplish a great task that, that no one else could do. He'd given me the gift. He'd given me the abilities. And I'd lost it. I'd squandered it. I traded away the opportunity to make a difference for God and the world, the, God, the difference he'd made me to accomplish. I'd lost it because I chose to disregard his commands. I was a failure. He hadn't failed me, I'd failed him. I don't know how long I was there. I couldn't tell day or night, but one day they sent a boy to get me. I could take on 10,000 Philistine soldiers before, but now they just sent a boy. He unlocked my chains, led me up some stairs. I could feel the sunlight on my face for the first time in who knows how long. I could hear laughter. I could hear music. It seems that the Philistines were throwing a party. They were throwing a party to celebrate the fact that Samson had been defeated. They were throwing a party in honor of their god Dagon. They got all the leaders and all the rulers from all across the Philistine nation, brought them all together in one wild celebration. I could smell the food, I could smell the wine. They were having a grand old time and I was their entertainment. They brought out blind Samson, who they had once feared to laugh and jeer and make fun of the God of Israel. I hung my head in shame. The boy led me onto a platform where everyone could see. And as they mocked me and mocked God, I said to the boy, is there some place I can lean against? I'm weary. I'm not the man I was. He took me to a post to lean against. As I did, I kind of felt around it, and it was, a, it was a pretty substantial one. I think I... I could feel another one, and I, I must be right in the center of this 
this huge building, this huge room, this must be the pillars that, that hold up the roof, that hold everything up. And then I had an idea. I raised my sightless eyes to heaven and I said, God, I have failed. I have failed. But for your name's sake, so that your name will not be blasphemed among the pagans. One last time could you use me? One last time could I silence the lips and the tongues of your enemies? And as I looked up, I felt, I felt the hair on the back of my neck. And I thought, God, maybe it's possible. Maybe one last thing I could do for you. And I felt it. I felt it at that moment. Once again, after such a long break, I felt the warmth of his strength in my arms. And I took the stance that they had feared for so long. And I took hold of those pillars. And I began to push. And they began to scream. Sorry, someone do something. Someone stop him. Someone stop him. Get him quick. And before anyone could reach me, before they had time to react, with one last prayer and one last push, the pillars fell. The stone roof fell. And I killed more in my death than I ever did in my life. But I still failed. I failed to accomplish God's purpose in my life. I failed to accomplish what he wanted me to do for his people because I, I didn't think sin mattered. I thought that because of my gift, because of my abilities, that that would compensate, that God would overlook my sin. Friends, don't make my mistake. God has given you a ministry. Before the foundation of the world, he has created good works for you to accomplish, things that only you with the power of his spirit can do. And no one can take your ministry from you. But you can give it away. You could squander it on sin and fail to accomplish what God want, wanted you to do, made you to do. Friends, learn from me. No one sins and gets away with it. No one sins without consequence. No one. Not me. Not you.